getting a bit of vibration from the forward nacelle and all that stuff they say from the in space. Hi, hello. Hi. <laughs> Blowing up your eardrums with our mouths. That sounded weird. Uh, welcome. Mm. I'm Kenny Stevenson. I'm Alex Enriquez, and I literally just forgot what to do in that moment. I, I was the proverbial oh, deer in the headlights. Kenny said his name, and my brain went, well, something goes there, doesn't it? <laughs> and you, something went there, and it all worked out. What is this? We're listening to fan-controlled fandom. I kind of cleared my throat again. Hold on. Mm, there we go. Fan-controlled fandom. This is the Cape Space. This is... All content where people wear capes, superheroes wear capes, uh, people in space definitely wear capes. I don't know why out in outer space you would need to wear a cape, but people are wearing them, so we're going to talk about them. People wear capes in castles with when they're fighting dragons and stuff. That's all stuff where that's all fair game. I, I am personally interested in the specific point in humanity's future where they will switch over from utilitarian smocks, one piece, you know, kind of utilitarian utopian jumpsuits. And when they'll pivot into the idea of, well, figs for that, I'm going to wear a cape. That's way cooler than this utilitarian jumpsuit. Way more dramatic. Yeah. yeah like when the Romans were like, you can wear this little, like, little cod piece. But what if we put a cape on that, too? And they're oh, like, okay. A, 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 they, they used to call it a Cape Cod. And uh, it was a uh, it was a big it was a big hit. It was a big hit in Hellenistic times. You wouldn't believe it. Big hit. The Cape Cod, a huge hit in Hellenistic times. Guys, we have we are only two minutes in, and that's the level of content you're going to get on this show today. We're we're two minutes in, and already I want slash need a cocktail. Hey, a cod, a Cape Cod, a cocktail. Cape, anyway, the old Cape Codder, baby. The old Cape Codder. This is again Cape Space. Today we're talking about episode four of Mandalorian. There might be a little Bad Batch mixed in there because uh, we were supposed to go. Did we say on this podcast last week that we were going to do Shazam? Did we say that or was that offline? We we said we I might we do said, it on the yeah, podcast and then offline we said we were going to do it and we yeah, didn't and do so it. Well, specifically, half of I us didn't, didn't do it. Do it. <laughs> I did go see Shazam, and I, we'll, we're going to talk about Shazam because there was Shazam in the quick hits, but uh, Alex did not see Shazam, and I don't know if it's going to be if it's going to be even in the zeitgeist to do it by next week. So I don't think I don't think we're going to do Shazam on this show. I, I, I was I was walking gone. I was walking the dogs earlier, and a, a tumbleweed of crumpled up varieties blew past me, and one of them said Shazam done question mark. So I think it's gone. Yeah, it's going to be on uh, like Discovery Plus this afternoon. Um, we do have a lot of things. To, to, before we talk about Mando, we talk about uh, quick pieces of nerd news. It's called Quick Hits, and here we go. Quick, 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 quick hits. hits. Yeah. Without fail. Without fail. Now it's going to get to a point. I kind of had it this week because you don't see us. Alex and I point to the sky because we can't play the drop live when we're recording and I was a little bit like, I got to, I guess we got to point to the sky because we've established that's what we do in our zoom windows. And maybe we won't at some point, but for now we still are. I will always point to the sky. It makes me very, I'll tell you this. There are, there are only two other things in any given week that make me happier than pointing at the sky. Mm -hmm. And it's my wife's smile. Hey, Oh, and, and, and frankly, the, the, 
the point yeah the it's pointing at the sky thinking about pointing at the sky yeah i'm here for it uh you know it's probably not very happy right now uh, Victoria Alonso, former uh, executive at Marvel Studios. This was probably this is probably the biggest news this week. Victoria Alonso, who when I wrote this in the show notes, I said leaves Marvel Studios, and then it came out yesterday in Variety that oh no, she was fired from Marvel Studios. She got the old sack. And uh, to give you context, Victoria Alonso is basically one of the two executive producers under Feige. She has been with Marvel Studios since 2006. So literally the entire time, even before Disney bought her, she was kind of in control of visual effects, which is kind of where the cracks in the armor start to... uh, come out. I will say this Variety article is based on, there's no like sourcing from her or from anybody like in the executives, but there is a lot of things in this story. Not a lot, but there are things in this story that, you know, start to talk about how Disney Plus came out. They, Disney had the demand to fill their platform with content and Since 2021, there's been 17 Marvel properties that have come out. There's been like, uh, I saw it here. Oh, yeah. Seven movies, eight streaming series, and two TV specials over 23 months. And they, she is in charge of the visual effects. And then all that stuff came out around She-Hulk about how the digital... Effects team is beyond overstressed and overtaxed, and their time is being. And uh, there is one post, and take this with the grainiest of salts because it's from Reddit, but hmm. <laughs> it started as a Reddit thread as basically talking about her, and they called her a kingmaker. And she would blacklist artists who have pissed her off in any way. Again, this is not conjecture because there's also many many quotes from people who said that she was a a great person to work with was very dedicated and all of those things so i don't know thoughts reactions i I mean i think i think that you know that that it's i would love to live in a world where the outcry of the overworked effects artists was sufficient over time to topple somebody that high up that that was like that that somebody went wait a minute we got people that are being overworked and this person's a source well we got to take care of that i mean i i know that that's not the case she you know there's a million reasons these things happen uh including you know it could there there's a there's a certain amount of mutuality that could be in here even though she was let go but um i i do think it's at least on its face, encouraging that we now have this A to B of, hey, she was really, she rode those visual effects artists really hard and now she gets the old boot. Um, But, you know, maybe, you know, I think, I think we're probably going to see a whole bunch of uh, shots in Deadpool 3 where you just see Ryan Reynolds' eyes. And that's the price we're going to have to pay because the work is going to suffer. Because, you know, she, she was running, she was riding them roughshod, but look at the product. So, well, that's what, uh, that was another thing this article said was like, <laughs> that's, that's part of, that's part of a crack. And then if you take in the fact that, um, Ant-Man and the Wasp is the 
uh, global, which is, this is like, this is just like only a Marvel worry. The global haul is like just over 450 million, which is less than the previous two Ant-Man films. And they're saying that it's, uh, the film was done shooting over a year ago, so they had over a year to do the effects and that a lot of the criticism of the film was how flat the effects looked. So they just, and it didn't come from Feige. Apparently the decision was made by, and I'm quoting here, a consortium. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a, a that's a Spider-Man villain. This, the consortium? Uh, yeah, uh, Sandman starts a group with other geological themed heroes. It's called the Consortium. It's super consortium. cool. So they that killed her. They did. No, they didn't kill her. They, Shit. It, it, this this particular consortium included Spider Man's going to be pissed. Human resources, <laughs> Disney's legal department, and multiple executives, including Disney Entertainment co-chairman Alan Bergman. Who, to all of Marvel Studios' reports, Alonzo's longtime boss and Marvel chief creative officer, Kevin Feige, felt mired in an impossible situation and ultimately did not intervene. So Alonzo was blindsided. So I think it's like we've been getting criticisms about the digital effects. This movie that we spent a lot of money on and over a year doing the digital effects didn't make that. I mean, frankly, a lot of the future of the MCU hinges on didn't perform as well as they wanted. So they were like, the, something's got to go. I think it's an encouraging sign that legal and HR got involved, um, probably, but discouraging that a problem or several problems had to get to that level that legal and HR have to tag team and intercede with this, you know, shadowy cabal of executives. None of them, none of them licking their chops and eyeballing her seat for their, their position. No, no. But um, yeah, it's, it, I think it's this and Chapik are examples of a house cleaning. Cause there's some, there was some dirt with Chapik too. I think if, if, if I'm remembering slash understanding correctly that there was some shell game going on with debuting Disney plus exclusives right before their release date on Disney channel so that they could share the budget between those two divisions and make Disney plus look more successful. Cause that show Ooh. that, that, that show that's premiering on Disney channel early uh, it costs, you know, 50 million to make but no disney plus only put in 25 million so whatever profit comes in off of that or the subscribers whatever the metric they're using it only took them half the amount of money to get there uh on the on the uh the the sheets wow. so it's all a shell game isn't it it's that's 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 showbiz baby and and you know the the more and more and more <clears throat> that the stock market starts to you know, my, my wife kind of hit me to this idea now that people are talking about, like, Hollywood is run by the stock market. That might sound like an obvious idea, but it really, really is coming down to it. And you look at things like Ant-Man not being, you know, not making triple its its budget. And that's that's all market reactions. That's all a bunch of shareholders going, well, infinite growth. You're not providing infinite growth. So we got to cut you out. Yeah, it was. It should have told me that the stock markets weren't into um, Ant Man when they were constantly tweeting hashtag Quantum Mania not going to the moon. That was a long way around to a really bad um, stocks joke. Um, <laughs> stonks. But also, it's creatively speaking, too, like with regard to those special effects, you know, Quantum Mania did a lot of shooting on the volume, as does something, you know, the, the Mandalorian does as well. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, 
I'm not sure who brought it. it Might have been New Rock Stars, who I, I quote chapter and verse like they're my gospel. But uh, true, the Mandalorian uses the volume in all of its intended purposes. The volume is providing lighting. They're you know it's it is you know it, they're they're using reflections from the volume wall on pools of water on the floor to create cinematic tension, all that stuff. And I don't think that Quantum Mania integrated the volume in the same way. I think it was like, hey. No green screen. Look at that. Just the background there. Just start walking in place and we'll fill it all in. Anyway. Yeah, that's why they that's why everybody's doing that little walk where their arms the keep springing jaunty. up and they're yeah. <laughs> they're on their, a tread- their hair is blowing. They're on a treadmill. Um we have a lot of Star Wars quick hits, but so I wanted to go to this one next and then we'll just be Star Wars for a solid freaking hour. Um let's do it. We talked about it last week briefly, and I did say we were going to talk about Shazam. I did see Shazam, and I've got I've got many a thought to say about Shazam, and maybe we'll maybe you'll see it, and then maybe we will just like briefly t- just like give ourselves ten minutes to dunk on Shazam. But uh, <laughs> we had talked about how Dwayne the Rock Johnson refused to have. Um, it was rumored last week that he refused to let Shazam be in Black Adam, which is comical, canonically comical. Is that a? It's hilariously canonically comical that <laughs> you wouldn't want that because Shaz- Black Adam is like literally in comics canon, like counter to Shazam. It's 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 really weird and stupid that. He wasn't even in like a post credit scene of Black Adam. Yeah, the, the 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 nil association between the two characters on purpose is like, I mean, I think I think Dwayne the Rock Johnson maybe thought, oh, well, we'll just make now Black Adam will be the character. You know, people will know about Shazam or not, but Black Adam will be the character they like and it won't matter who he's associated with. But like, I don't know there is not a whole ton of broader public awareness of the connection between the two characters. And we see how Dwayne, the rock Johnson getting everything he wanted worked out. Yeah. And so uh, early, so we had heard that this was like rumored as Shazam was coming out because he's not uh spoiler alert. Uh, Dwayne, the rock Johnson is not in Shazam fury of the gods. <laughs> yeah. Somebody else is, which it's it's very sad that this is the last time we're going to see this person because they've already been recast or not. They said that they're not coming back. Um, and it's not Henry Cavill. So fill in the dots there. It's um, Ezra Miller. They show up at the end and <laughs> they show up at the end. They look right in the camera and they go, I'm really sorry. And then they run out at regular speed. And But it's a it's a wide shot. So you get to watch Ezra Miller like the last briskly of- jog across the frame. <laughs> So it's like, I mean, the movie itself is a little over two hours. 15 minutes of that is just a long telephoto lens shot of Ezra Miller running out of frame. So yeah, so they, they have to stop a couple of times, catch their breath. It's, it's a lot further than it looks. Yes. The, the camera adds 10 feet, and then they kind of laugh. They're like, it's inappropriate. I'm sorry. I shouldn't be joking. Yes. <laughs> All those things. Um, but what did what did uh, come out is officially there was a story in the Hollywood Reporter by the director and then also um, Sean. Why am I thinking his name is Sean Zachary Levi? Sean Levy is a director. Zachary Levi is the actor who plays Shazam, who loves Pfizer, 
he came out and they both basically confirmed that Dwayne The Rock Johnson refused to let Shazam make a post-credit cameo in Black Adam. And he blocked the Justice Society of America's cameo appearance in Shazam. So apparently, according to the director, David F. Sandberg, there was a supposed to scene that was supposed to be shot for the post credits. A, a little, I'll say spoiler if you haven't seen Black, if you haven't seen Shazam, fast forward a minute. I'm going to just tell you one thing that's not that much of a reveal. All right, Alex? I, okay. I already know about this, this character, okay. I think. Well, no, not the character. Do, do you know about the post credit scene? Just hit me with it. Let's do it. Let's do it. It's, it's, I won't say who's in it, but it's basically they ask Shazam to join the Justice Society. But they say, like, he goes, they go, the people who ask him go, Justice. And he goes, yes. And then they're like, Society. And he's like, what? There's a Justice League and a Justice Society? Why did, can't you guys, like, communicate with each other? Like, why would you make another thing and call it almost the same thing? Which is kind of a funny joke. But, um, they who who par- asks him? Can I ask who asks him? Just tell me. It's um, Steve Agee and the blonde. I can't remember her name from uh, Suicide Squad and Peacemaker. Oh, okay. So yeah. so he he still gets recruited to the Justice Society. Just, yeah, but he can't use those characters. No. So the director said that scene fell apart three days before we were going to roll camera, forcing him to find alternate characters last minute. So I think. What that implies is that the Justice Society characters from Black Adam, like Hawkman. Yeah, and, yeah, Dr. Fate, yeah. Yeah, although Dr. Fate died in Black Adam. Oh, one that's of the true. Dumbest Dang. things. They The best character in the whole goddamn movie they killed. And I'm saying that because Black Adam, it, it was not the best character in that movie. But um, so they, they, they had to find something last minute. So that's, I mean, Steve Agee's like, sure, I'll get on it airplane and fly to atlanta why not Here, here's a funny thing about steve ag uh, a podcast i've been listening to for quite some time jordan jesse go on the maximum fun network for 10 years or so i think steve ag has been on that show five or six times and always because somebody dropped out last minute and they know they can get uh-huh. steve ag because he's good and he plays and he's available so yeah i, I yeah, think absolutely. it's great that he got to be a last minute replacement for like uh you know aldous hodge yeah like the rock specifically and it's now saying in variety that like this is the rock refused all those things like he refused um Oh, it also says here that The Rock refused to let Zachary Levi, a guest, <laughs> appear in a post-credit scene in Black Adam because he had to have Henry Cavill in it. It just is like, why are you doing... Like, I'm so glad that Black Adam is going away. <laughs> because, yeah. <laughs> because it's just dumb. It is just a weird creative choice to bring a character that exists the... like. Black Adam only exists because Shazam exists. There isn't like a, they've never like, you know, comics, they always reboot stories, you know, Superman's still not in the thirties and Spider-Man's not still in the fifties. They update things and they, they restart things. And it's not like they ever restarted Shazam and made Black Adam independent. They're all, they're always connected. Like just period. Yeah. <laughs> like this would be like if you made a, a, a reverse flash movie and he fought like Batman, like, wait, yeah. well you, I mean, you could do that, but why? And I, yeah. I, I, I also like the idea 
I keep thinking, yeah, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, executive producer, all this stuff. I And I think to myself, the power he may have actually had was just being physically imposing. Like he wasn't actually a boss or like have any real sway in any of these situations, but it was more like a bunch of people on set going, are you going to tell him no? I'm not going to. I'm not going to fucking yeah. tell Dwayne the Rock Johnson. No, he's pound me into the he, ground like he, a tent stake. He just got out of the gym that he looks like he's about to explode. Yeah. One of his veins is flexing and looking threatening at me. So I think <laughs> I'm going to let Dwayne the Rock Johnson just cook. We're going to let him cook. Yeah, do you be the rock? So that's our DC uh, EU news of the week. I'll I'll have more to say about Shazam um, <laughs> potentially next week. Yeah, hopefully I get a chance to to view and we'll. Uh, I'm going to we'll say make- this. I won't say too much. If you don't see it, it's not going to be like end of the world. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely not a bad movie. It's just one of these movies. I'll just say, like, did you ever see 22 Jump Street? Yes. 22 Jump Street, in my opinion, is is arguably, and I will fight anyone on this, it is it is one of the best sequels ever made. Yes. Period. Yes. Because not only is it just a good heightening of the first beat of the first one, but it is the commentary on sequel making alone is worth it. And it's all about how, oh, it's, a, it's the... The, the Jump Street unit's got a bigger budget, so they got to buy bigger things and do more. And that's what they're kind of also doing because it's a sequel, like that kind of stuff. This movie did, the makers of this film has ne- have never seen 22 Jump Street. <laughs> oh, no. They fall back on that age old thing that, like, well, it's a sequel, so we got to destroy more shit and build more. It's like, and so the stuff that's working in the first one, which is to me is like the family stuff and the like street level stuff. That stuff works the best in this movie still. There just isn't as much as it because we have to be like in God land that is not Mount Olympus. It's something, I mean, whatever. It's just, it's just like so much. You want to talk about a movie with all goo guys and, 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 and whatnot. There's so much goo guying and like so many questions about like, well, what buildings are like the DCEU. Now I'm just kind of going off. The DCEU, <laughs> they hate they hate buildings. They just want to try to destroy as many freaking buildings as possible. And I'm like, the death tolls in this movie has to be in the tens of thousands, just like just destroying buildings at any given. And it's like, nobody cares. Like I'm, you hit like the 10th floor of a building. There's gotta be people in there. Like you can't just, you know what I mean? Yeah. And think about, think about your cascading repercussions. I mean, we know from incidents in our own history, if you pulverize that much building material, you're going to have a lot of fallout and, and, and unforeseen health consequences for possibly decades to come. And, and all of this basically to say, Hey, Shazam, Hey, uh, you know, Superman, the flash, go have a fight in a field or something, you know, know. there's plenty of rolling planes in the Midwest that you could just, Hey, Lex Luthor, uh, put a pause on the battle suit. It's getting a little dusty. You, you, let, can we take this out to the field? Let's just go fight in the field. Yeah, you know, it's just like, oh, let's get let's save everyone off from this bridge. Meanwhile, two flying people are just gonna f- just crash into all kinds of shit. Like, why can't we save those people anyway? And and if you if if pulverizing if these two figures pulverizing themselves and each other through buildings is like supposed to be a 10 but it's constant then that's zero you're not heightening anything absolutely (laughs) 
It's called power scaling. Uh, let's let's switch gears to Star Wars. A lot of Star Wars news. Yeah, S- baby. Star Wars, I don't know if they're going to get a movie off the ground. If they want to, we've talked about it a lot here. Every movie we've talked about, like in the past six months, almost all of those titles have now fall, <laughs> fallen through. As it was just announced this week that Damon Lindelof, the movie that was being written by Damon Lindelof and Justin Britt Gibson, they have left the project. The project is still going forward, apparently, and there's more news on that front. But um, this is a movie that is set to be directed by Charmaine, I'm going to butcher this name, I'm just apologizing, Obeyed Chinoy who is known for directing several episodes of Ms. Marvel, a show that I enjoyed a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but the writers were supposed to be Damon Lindelof and Justin Brick Gibson. They have left the project, but this movie is apparently still um, uh, happening. They turned in their script in mid-February. In mid-February, <laughs> this is like a month ago, and then like less than that, they have... Um, They've left the project. The plot of the film under wrap there is supposed to be a formal reveal of the project at Star Wars Celebration next month. And the production was set to begin in February of 2024 to schedule for a release in Christmas of 2025. And this is a movie that is supposed to take place after the events of Rise of Skywalker. I I am for this because I think that we got a lot of tumult in the the initial phases of the star Wars relaunch. Um, you know, if, if you look at what happened with solo and with, uh, ultimately with, I think, was it rise of Skywalker where you had Colin Trevorrow and then another, you know, Trevorrow, each, each of, Colin Trevorrow. Trevorrow. Yeah. Each of the, each of the films have had these like well, you, you moments like where you, you, right. Uh, reshoots, reconfigurations, all these things. And, and for results that, you know, hugely successful results, but all this like friction and BS and conversation around and about it that they don't need, they can let the TV side cook because that's just going. It's just going really well. And they can really consider what the next step is movie wise, if and when, because Star Wars is still going, it's still generating revenue, merchandising, all that stuff, still generating conversation, you know. People are only talking about Mandalorian now. They were only talking about Andor, um, and and whatever whatever prequel sequel kind of stuff comes up in the mix is really only associated with how Mandalorian is reaching back into those things and trying to connect and concoct between them. So, you know, I, I think that I think yeah, you know what I, what it means, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I think children. I think that you know. I, I think you wind up this way, finishing your Lord and Miller Han Solo movie, or it's never announced and you never yes. you never see it. But you you get something at the end that everybody can like dust their hands off and go, "Phew, we did it." Well, this is the way. Um, no, but this you had mentioned that you know we we had talked a lot about like how a lot of the times they are trying to it. A lot of times they are say so and so is making a movie because they just want to have them under the title so they're not making something for somebody else. And that's why it's like the Taika Waititi movie is supposedly still happening. We talked about that, but it's like Taika Waititi is hot. Uh, Patty Jenkins, oh, you just did two Wonder Woman movies. Let's get you under. Kevin Feige, you're great. Oh, let's get you making a movie. 
all of those have fallen through. The Taika Waititi movie is still happening, supposedly. But the reason why I think this movie is actually going to happen is because I think they are going to announce it. Uh, I think they do want to get this going because they've already announced who is going to replace them as writers, who's going to replace uh, Britt Nelson and Lindelof as writers. And they've already announced, and that is going to be Peaky Blinders creator Stephen Knight is set to write the new Star Wars movie. And he has done Peaky Blinders, also movies, Eastern Promises, Dirty Pretty Things, Locke, Allied, Spencer, Taboo, stuff. Good stuff. He's a, he's That's a not fan, obviously. Okay, this is, this is really funny because it wasn't in the show notes who's taking over and I hadn't seen it. I but was giving that as a surprise to you. You, you. I was, as you said, <laughs> no, right before you said, Peaky, it says Peaky Blinders creator set to write Star Wars. Movie. Oh no, but I don't. I didn't know the name, oh, and I don't know who created that. Peaky Blinders. And I was like, oh, didn't they? Didn't they bring in that Spartacus guy to do a movie when somebody else dropped out? Stephen Denight. Um, but it, <sighs> I think it, it, it to me it signals this like, oh, this this guy we can. This guy can helmet to our satisfaction. Not that he's a toady or a stoolie, but like, oh, he can he can make it work in a way that we want it to work. He'll listen to us. There's a quote here I'm reading that is from Lindelof from a week before his departure from Star Wars. He said, while speaking to Slash Film, I will just say that for reasons that I can't get into on this Sunday morning, on this day, the degree of difficulty is extremely, extremely, extremely high. If it can't be great, it shouldn't exist. That's all I'll say, because I have the same association with it as you do, which is it's the first movie I saw sitting in my dad's lap, four years old, May of 77. I think it's possible that sometimes when you hold something in such high reverence and esteem, you start to get in the kitchen and you just go... Maybe I shouldn't be cooking. Maybe I should just be eating. We'll just leave it at that point. So, yeah, I think he was definitely <laughs> stepping away. Well, he, what he what he maybe what this doesn't sound like he's embracing is the notion that the movie that he saw sitting on his dad's lap, that experience he had wasn't written. The experience he had was the result of the people at ILM and the editors concocting something afterward and making mm -hmm. something that made sense. Cause if you, if you get the director's cut of uh, the, the George Lucas cut of star Wars out there in 1977, nobody, no 15 people see it. 15 people see it. The, so approaching this thing as a writer, as something to be written, I think maybe almost folly. I know I said all that stuff about getting it. Oh, you know, you have to be considered and get it going in the beginning. Sure, but I think that's those are the considerations that the creative executives have to make to keep things tight. I think creators have to look at these things as they kind of come together in the end somehow. Uh, you you cannot you I, I I think that the perfect Star Wars experience that everybody wants sort of can't be written. Yeah, it's there. It's uh, he is right. Like there's a definite like that's right. But I I am excited to see what Stephen Knight is going to bring to this. I mean, Peaky Blinders is a great show. He does. A, I mean, I'm a sucker for a British gangstery type thing. I don't know if we're going to put just like, you know, someone sitting, sitting at like a sabak table and getting 
I'm going to need you to put, you know, 40 credits down or this, oh, this job is going down. What I don't know. I'm just, that was a bad impression of a British gangster movie. But Oi, you try and shoot me at hollow chest, I'm going to come for your eyes. Exactly. A lot, of, a lot of dudes wearing arm garters and waistcoats in the galaxy now. I'll say one thing to you, my friend. <laughs> this is not, <laughs> this is not the way. <laughs> <laughs> You stay around here, Governor. I'm going to turn you into poodoo. And then it's like, oh, we, we still say that word around. Can we get rid of that word, poodoo? Nope. Um, one more piece of Star Wars news. After sweeping the Academy Awards, everything, everywhere, you- all at once, directors, the Daniels, Daniel Kwan and Daniel Schneinert, they are going to direct at least one episode of Star Wars Skeleton Crew. The upcoming live action series starring Jude Law that will take place in the Mandoverse. This is very exciting news. Jude Law, hot dog fingers. Jude Law, hot dog fingers. Uh, Do it. Did, Do as part it, of this, cowards. <laughs> as part of this announcement, I did see that, and I I didn't see any of the this conversation that's being referred to, but I have heard that people are throwing shade at the Daniels, being like, oh, sell out corporate. And like, shut up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're the directors person- for hire. By the way, they signed they signed up for this probably well before there was any kind of award conversation. They're yes. directors for hire. They've done TV before. They do music videos. They're it, this isn't going to blunt their instrument. I think people need to people need to just pardon my French, but fucking unclench about <laughs> all that stuff. You know. <laughs> I, to- I agree with you wholeheartedly. And yes, they definitely were probably hired before. And also too, like, it's not like, it's not like skeleton crew is like sitting around being, we haven't, uh, we're, we're a show that's fully in production. That's already shooting. And God, we haven't hired all of our directors yet. Why don't we get those two guys who just won the Academy award? Like, get out of here. Like, no, they were hired like 12, like a year ago <laughs> yeah. to do this. Like, get, like yeah, you, that's not you how think- productions work. Yeah, they, the the Disney executives were watching the Oscars and go, get those guys for a TV show. Just one episode, you know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, this is exciting news. And Skeleton Crew is uh, set to come after we get Ahsoka, but it is going to be within the Mandoverse. So, you know, Jude Law, just Jude Law watch. Jude Law could show up in any of these shows at any moment. So just be ready for the Jude Law-ing of Star Wars. I have one more I, piece I, I, of news. I don't know. I don't know if I brought this up on the on the broadcast. I may have brought it up afterwards, but I did see a mutual acquaintance in a crew jacket. And when I asked that person about being in a Star Wars show, they weren't playing. They didn't know why I knew that. I was like, oh, the name on the jacket. And they went, oh, I'm not supposed to talk about that. <laughs> well, yeah, why are you wearing the jacket out, bro? Anyway, I have one more piece of they news. That didn't, I did- they didn't know, but okay, go ahead. Uh, I have one more piece of news that I did not put in the sheet because I just read this and I it's it, we don't have to talk more than 50 seconds about this other than just like just dump on it hard. Did, did Trump Ab- get arrested? Is that what you're saying? Oh, I wish. Uh, the James Cameron has announced that there is a he will be potentially for Avatar 3 on Disney Plus could be releasing a nine hour cut of the film. Yeah, it's called. Uh, it's I I I saw this too, and it's it's going to be called Avatar. Why? 
And so, like, this is... <laughs> Cameron has said that he would be exploring another part of Pandora. Like, I'm just... Uh, God, um, God almighty. People, Explore why? the part of your um, brain that causes you to have self-restraint and then see that it is a void and go to a doctor. Stop trying... Stop giving this man credence. Why? Why? Why go see these three-hour movies multiple times and make it make billions of dollars so now we have to have a nine-hour cut of a movie? What is that? Like, well, that's he, three movies. He... That's three full Avatar movies. Like, that's there's the, no story the... that merits nine hours worth of telling in a film. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. This is... This is what it is to age, my friend, because there's a whole generation of people who are like 10 years younger than us who grew up loving Avatar, who love this movie, who it for them, it's like the kid world they existed in is back. And we're, you know, the, we're not the demographic anymore. It's I guess I don't I, uh, I don't want to give this any more time. Um <laughs> Yeah, literally, literally, it, it this project cannot ask for any more time from show business at all. No, it sucked no. up all of the, pardon my French, fucking time. It is, and guys, that was the, that was a solid half hour of of quick pieces of nerd news. Yeah, that was like we we call it quick hits because each individual bit is quick. The segment itself is bloated, quite long, um, quite long. <laughs> um, this is the portion we are on the uh, fan controlled sports entertainment network, podcast network, fan controlled TV feed. Uh, sports is usually the focus of the company. This is our one piece of sports news from Alex and Kenny. And Alex usually takes us onto the paddock for the, for some formula one racing. I'm assuming that's the case still. We are back on track with formula one racing and in a, uh, a review of last weekend's Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. And uh, on behalf of the big broadcast, I want to extend congratulations to Red Bull driver Sergio Checo Perez, who for about an hour was the first Mexican since the late sixties to lead the world drivers championship. That was until his teammate and two-time world driver's champion, uh, Max Verstappen, gained one world championship driver point uh, to to advance ahead of Checo Perez in the standings. Uh, Max, of course, does this by um, purposefully going after the fastest lap and uh, and undercutting his teammate. Uh, a little bit of uh, saucy anti-sportsmanship from the Dutchman. Back to you, Kenny. Oh, man. Wow, I wish we could have some neutrality in the world of Formula One racing, but apparently not. Um, the Lakers are playing very well, sort of, at the moment. We're in the 10 seed. Arsenal is eight points on top of the table in the English Premier League. Eight points, mm, Alex. And mm. playing playing Manchester City after uh, the international break. I'm going to talk a little men's volleyball. You're welcome. So yes. I am uh, coaching my my daughter is playing her first sport ever, which is going to be volleyball. And I got roped in to be a coach. And so I'm coaching volleyball. And I used to play a little. And I like volleyball. So I've started watching volleyball again. Fight me. So last night, uh, the number one team in the country in men's volleyball, the University of Hawaii, they lost consecutive matches. They played back-to-back nights because you can do that in men's volleyball. You can play a team twice when they when you go out to the to the Big Islands, and uh, Hawaii number one lost back to back games to Long Beach State, number four team ranked in the country. Hey, Let, yeah, the Dirtbags, baby. The Dirtbags, Pound City, I like to call it that. Pound State, uh, Beach, Strong Beach. 
they are led by outside hitter Sotoris Sepanis from Greece, who put away a season-high 19 kills to lead the fourth-ranked beach to a sweep of the top-ranked University of Hawaii men's volleyball team. And that's a big upset in the world of men's volleyball. We did it. Sports, sports, sports. Alex, I mean, you always bring us great sponsors. Who, who do you have as a sponsor for the show this week? Uh, it's actually a bit of a departure for us. This is a, uh, this is a brand new nonprofit that's looking to make a, a positive okay. influence in the community. It's the Used Shoe Depot. Bring in any used shoe for repurposing. Shoes are bad for the earth. New shoes cause endless waste. We pay you for old shoes so we can repurpose them. Uh, visit us at used underscore shoes dot org. Okay. That yeah. sounds like a very good nonprofit out there that I'm very happy that we, it sounds like it's a good company. I'm sure there won't be any sort of turn on that. Uh, no, no, no. There, it's, it's, it's good for the, it's good for the earth. It's good for the earth. All right. Let's dive in here. Let's put on our helmets. Hold on a and, second, Kenny. I'm, I'm sorry right. to break into the broadcast, but it seems I'm getting a phone call from mainland China. This could okay. be really important. I think I have right. to take this. From no, mainland China. <laughs> Yeah, it's not. My phone wanted me to know, not Taiwan. This is from the mainland. Uh, that's important. We got to make sure we uh, maintain. We got to. Do we recognize Taiwan as a, as a country or do we not? It's a big argument uh, for a lot of people. We do in this house. We do in this house as well. My my studio out in Palm Springs. Um, Mando, episode four, yeah. titled "The Foundling." Speaking of directors, too, we didn't mention this. Last week, the director of last week's episode was the director of the movie Minari. So, you know, we can get art house directors to come in and direct episodes of The Mandalorian and Star Wars stuff, and people can relax about it. Anyway. I love that movie. Great, great movie. Brief recap of the episode. I don't want to talk about it the first thing we see. I want to talk about that in a second. But there's some training going on with all the, the children of the watch. And then uh, Grogu is by his dad is like, he's ready. And there's a little training thing and he wins because he's Grogu. Grogu then goes off with um, the armorer to learn more about Mandalore and flashes back to see Jar Jar Binks. I mean, Ahmed best save him, save him from order 66 and take him out of Coruscant. And then uh, there is a boy who is Vizsla's son, we learn. The same boy who we saw taking the oath in the beginning of the first episode is captured by like a flying dragon and taken back to its nest. So Bo-Katan and uh, Din Djarin and a couple of other Mandalorians go and get him. And uh, we learn how they eat when they're in groups, which is they leave each other to go eat. <laughs> and then they save the kid. And that's basically the... Oh, and then um, Bo-Katan tells the armorer that she she's the, she reveals that she did see uh, the mythosaur in the waters of uh, Mandalore. And that's basically the whole episode. Uh, what were your thoughts about the episode? I really enjoyed this. I think that we're we're in the... We're in a really cool space here where we are getting high action, high octane visuals, and we're also at the same time building the lore in a meaningful way and also advancing our characters in a meaningful way. Um, there's so much that this episode, I was going to say it had to do, but it didn't have to do anything. I don't know what the expectation was, but it just, it delivered. I, I don't know. Like it, it, it might be one of my uh, favorite episodes. Uh, of this season and maybe the series so far, just because of all the stuff in it. 
Yeah, it's definitely the kind of episode that it's funny after coming off we came off the last episode which had a lot of business, a lot of different things going on, intrigue like larger Star Wars implications of things going on. But this one was very much like I just explained all what almost everything that happens, like basically what happens in a minute, but there is so much like character stuff going on in this episode. There was so much um, deepening of the people. Like this wasn't a, this wasn't an episode to move necessarily the linear plot forward. We basically just stayed on the planet and didn't really go anywhere, but this was a, this was all about deepening the characters and it's, and what's going on for me. I was genuinely floored at how short it was. Like when, when she there, it ends with the armor saying like this is the way and Bo-Katan revealing that she has the myth she saw the mythosaur and then it ended and I was like oh I, I was like genuinely floored I was like I don't think we were done I thought we would go back and see more Ahmed Best I thought we would see more um I thought we would see more so that would, if I had any criticism like I was it felt short to me it didn't feel like we got like there was more to tell but there is more to tell but there's only four more episodes so I feel like we are set up Oof. at this point we are set up to have four kind of, in theory, kind of rocking episodes because we didn't we didn't learn anything about who the people in the Tie Fighters were last week. We didn't learn anything. We just we were on this planet and it was about deepening these characters and really making Bo Katan Bo Katan like one of the focal points of the of this season. Basically, like this is almost this becoming more and more half her story. We're getting more about her than we are about Din and Grogu. Which I, I appreciate because again it, we're we're building out this this piece of lore these people the Mandalorians I, I it's it's again encouraging to me that you know the Mandalorians and the Wookies and and amongst other kind of groups and species were really walled off they're um, exploring their continuity for a really long time and Star Wars was just like it wasn't allowed so getting this at this level and learning about their, you know, this corner of the universe has been really interesting to me. Um, yeah. I, 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 to... I like, ahead. I like the development of Bo-Katan too. I like this being sort of her episode. I really appreciate it. I think Katie Sackhoff's doing a great job with the character or whoever her stunt person is or however they're working that. But um, I really enjoyed watching her take this leadership position too. And, you know, whatever her motives for hiding, whether or not she saw the mythosaur were, I think they might have changed now that she's been sort of, yeah, not indoctrin. What's the good version of indoctrination? <laughs> she's Accepting? Been, yeah, integrated into the, the covert. Yeah. yeah, into the covert. All right. Now I want to talk for, I don't know, arguably the next seven hours about the opening sh- shot. Yes. Of this, of this episode. I'm. Hanging, wanna... hanging with the boys. <laughs> we are talking <laughs> like, 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 oh my God. I can't breathe thinking about the beginning. Of the yeah, episode. it was that it kept. Okay. So at the beginning, what you're seeing is like that same, that same place that was at the very beginning of the season, that beach that the covert hangs out at where the kid gets attacked, where the, like the big alligator attacks him. The alligator Basically for out. the first half. Yeah, the first half of the episode, the Mandalorian covert is hanging out on the shore 
firing rockets and guns into the water and fighting on the beach and it's like i was watching that and i'm like so every every lifted truck douchebag that i went to high school with when they went down to the river was one helmet away from being a fucking mandalorian (laughs) all these guys they go to the river in their lifted trucks fire guns into the water you know scuffle homoerotically and then go home it's I, I can't even breathe. It is it's a comical amount of stuff is happening. Like it's definitely like more people like whatever it is because of COVID or whatever. Like we haven't seen like to me like the covert's like thirty people maybe you know yeah. But there is arguably two hundred people on this beach like just. Kicking, fighting, like throw, throwing stuff, shoot, just shooting into the water, and it's just, it's just like I need. I can't even breathe. I need someone to like, yeah, take the Kenny Loggins song, playing with the boys, and just put it to that, and yeah. post it on the internet, and send me a link because I will. That is, it was, it was. It was an absurd amount of like beach action, and it was yeah. like, "Hey, like slap fighting." Like, those people you see like slap fighting on the beach, and then like you say, one guy's firing their guns, another two dudes are like, "Hey, I caught a boar over here." Like it's just like so silly. Easy is one of the silliest things I've I've ever seen in a Star Wars. <laughs> oh. I can't breathe. It was so funny. It was so unbelievably funny. I was like, oh, I was genuinely worried as to where we were going as a show when I was just like yeah. watching just total beach chaos happening. That was just, oh, what a wonderful, what a wonderful, every episode has to open like that now as far as I'm concerned. When Paz Vizla rode by on a sea I was like, <laughs> this isn't. There was there was zinc on the helmet where his nose would be, as like I don't know what they're telling me right now. And John Favreau in his like distorted voice rode by and went like, "Who's ready to party?" Yeah, playing playing with the boys. He he threw up a shaka as as he sped by, did a rooster tail at the beach, and he he soaked the grill where the hot dogs were being cooked, where the Mandalorian that was wearing the chef's hat over his helmet was cooked. His his apron says "Kiss the cook" in Arbesh, and the the thing the the coals get soaked, and he looks out at the water, goes, "I don't." Yeah, it was a it was a it was it was a Laughlin weekend. <laughs> it is it is seriously like lake what is what is the one that everyone lake elsinore it is like lake elsinore vibes with just like just yeah all that was missing was like a pontoon boat with like a bunch of like oiled up people dancing around and like shooting super soakers at each other how many how many how many of those mandalorians do you think got duis on the way home <laughs> I, I, I just love 90%. that it's also like the mystique of all oh, the Mandalorians. They're, they're a warlike culture. They fight. They're so they're so good at the mark at, at being warlike. I wonder how they get so good at being warlike. Well, it's hanging on the beach, shooting in the water. 
you know. <laughs> Look, something else I just want to throw out. Let's talk about like temperature levels. Like it must it's gotta be let's you know what? We gotta go fight in our full armor and like leather, full leather pants and stuff on top. You know where we should probably go do that at? In the direct sun. That's what we should go do. <laughs> yeah, let's go out on the beach in on the sand. Nobody's gonna just like maybe open their shirt a little bit, let the wind. No, we're gonna full nope. keep it. Keep and the that helmet. Keep the helmet. That helmet stays on. Like, and I'm. St- I've wanted Bo Katan at some point to be like, I am drenched in in sweat. Like, why are we doing this? I can't fucking breathe in this thing. Part of my. Anybody friend. else? Is anybody else baking alive? Am I the only one baking <laughs> uh, alive? All right. I think that I, I think I'm good now. I've, we could talk more about this like later because I just I don't know if I will ever recover from the opening shot of this episode ever. Really it was good. just like really good. Just the firing into the water was just next level stuff. I was By the way, it. by the way, how how long do you think it takes that entire group to turn it over and make that beach scene into Oh, we got to consecrate one of the younglings. So, uh, uh, lock it up, lock it up. Put clean the, <laughs> get the flags, get the flags and they turn now it's all solemn. Speaking of foundlings, Grogu in this episode, I this <laughs> this little thing is it's 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 truly incredible to me how they consistently make this thing the cutest gosh darn thing that exists in the world. Like he's so freaking cute. Like just even watching him walk. And how, like, unbelievably fake it looks because, like, there's probably, like, a bunch of people in green screen suits that are literally just, like, moving them and they're digitally removing it. But it still looks absolutely adorable, like, in every way and capacity. It's incredible. Yeah, I I feel more emotional attachment to Grogu than I ever have any human mortal child. Um, And I think that that's a testament to the— And I'm saying as such, yeah. Yeah, I think it's a testament to the fantastic uh, creature effects wor- uh, workshop at there at, at at ILM. I I when they said darts, you know, Grogu has to he he has to fight one of the other youngling foundling kids uh, to prove himself in the covert. And well, choose your weapon, and it's darts. I go. Are they gonna have a little mini wristband? Oh, I know. For Grogu? They, and then they gave him a little mini wristband. wristband. I mean, holy crap! Holy crap! They because when they said weapons, I was like, well, "What's this kid gonna hold?" Like, come on, man! And they said darts, and I was it's, like, "Oh, his bat, Duke." Yeah, that's <laughs> that's what the foundling should have said. He can't hold that, but I'll tell you what he can hold: my dick. <laughs> <laughs> Now, it seems like he then goes off. So he does defeat. He uses the force to uh, defeat the kid. He does a flip and then does another backflip back and then does all three darts. Why the kid just didn't shoot Grogu with all three darts to begin with is beyond me. But whatever. Dramatic tension. But then the armorer gives him a little, his next piece of armor. Are we going to see Grogu in a helmet at some point? I I don't ever want to keep thinking about that. I don't ever want to not see that face. I also, do, what are you going to do with the ears? Do they got to do they got to make some holes so the ears can stick out? He can't just. And then it's like then those there's the liabilities. You get those things shot off. Yeah. Oh yeah. They're going to be. He's he's gonna he's gonna have the helmet and take it off, and you're going to see. Oh, the ears the ears got blasted off. They weren't covered by the helmet. Now he has no ears. I I think that there's something here about needing to change the ways of the Mandalorian, or at least these very 
you know, fundamentalist ones, you know, the dark saber as a way of choosing your ruler doesn't work. You know, keeping your helmet on all the time doesn't work. That, that, you know, the Mandalorians were formed as a way to counter the Jedi. And maybe that doesn't work. And that Grogu can kind of symbolize this way forward. That's a meeting in the middle. Um, I would hope so because it the change ahead. of Mandalore. I thought that's what we were going to go when Bo Katan was getting more involved, but now she seems to be becoming more and more accepting of not just the the covert, but just of this of of the way. She seems to be buying in more because she sees how we see a lot of the like. Which, by the way, just we obviously have another suit performer now because I doubt it's Katie Sackoff. If she's like, you're gonna be in the, you're gonna be in the yeah. suit the whole time. I doubt she's gonna be like, well, if Pedro doesn't have to do it. I don't have to do it either. But just the fantastic suit performers that do the work and whoever's doing Bo Katan, you can see through the subtle movements of the helmet and the head that she's taking in this covert that is seems to be working well together. Which is if you know from Clone Wars. And even from what's been discussed, she doesn't, she appears in uh, Rebels a little bit, but she's way more in Clone Wars. Um, that she's not used to that kind of unity, that kind of working together in the clans. And so yeah. she seems to be buying in. So I was like, okay, that to me implies that maybe we are going to see Grogu in a helmet, but maybe Grogu is going to be the what I thought Bo Katan, which is going to be, which is going to be somebody to teach Din that. There's other ways to to do the way. Uh, I have. I'll say one thing, and then I have to go to the bathroom. Uh, Got it. I I think that what Bo Katan's life was about was preparing her to be a ruler, preparing her to be a princess, a leader, a, a member of a royal family, you know, somebody of that station. And what she's getting now is a connection back to what it is to be a Mandalorian, not necessarily one yeah. above them, but like reconnecting with the culture. She says, "Oh." I climbed peaks like this when I was in basic training. Oh, I remember coming down to the living waters as a schoolgirl for a field trip. Like she is in the process of reconnecting with her culture at a basic fundamental level and not how to rule it. Uh, and then with that, I'm going to go uh, have diarrhea. Oh, <laughs> sorry about that. And I didn't actually have diarrhea. That's just what I call it when my pee has chunks. Oh, that might get cut out of the podcast, but maybe we'll see who knows. <laughs> Maybe it'll stay in. Who knows? Um, I do want to talk about, so we did get, we're getting a lot of Coruscant lately in a lot of the shows. And for those of you who aren't watching The Bad Batch, you need to start watching The Bad Batch. Maybe when The Bad Batch is done, we'll do a Bad Batch episode. Because the last like four or five episodes of The Bad Batch have been pretty fantastic. And especially in terms of like what we're getting in terms of what we saw in last week's episode of the Mandalorian, which is this, some, this clone agenda, like pushing the idea of cloning. And we are starting to get a little bit of the rise of the first order, which is something that needs to be fixed from the prequels. Cause that's what Filoni does. Something else Filoni did to fix the prequels is we did see order 66 again, from the Jedi Temple, which I'm, I some people are like, I'm tired of seeing Order sixty six. I we can, I'll watch it all day. I don't care. Yeah, um, it looks great. But we get to see little baby Grogu in the Jedi Temple in Coruscant, and uh, he then we always somebody saved him. We don't ever knew who, and a lot of people thought 
it was going to, I've heard some people say it could be, I think it was Joe, me, I dinner on, on the Ringerverse, that my, my nerd podcast I listened to as well. Um, that it was going to be Mace Windu. Mace Windu is going to save Grogu. He's going to come like Mace Windu fell fell off the ledge and was killed by Palpatine. But then somehow, because nobody dies in Star Wars, the door is going to open and it's going to be you know Samuel Jackson. <laughs> but it wasn't. It was a Jedi played by Ahmed Ahmed Best, who was Jar Jar Binks and was the yep. was the motion not really like a motion cap because it was before mocap but he was like there and and wore a little like weird thing on his head that was like this is what Jar Jar's height's going to be but it was his voice and he did the character and you know Jar Jar Binks is arguably one of the most hated things in fandom i i can't think of anything else in fandom that like was so universally reviled so much that they were like, Oh no, you, that was like, you know what I mean? Can you think of anything that comes even comes close where like every single wing of, we have things now that like some people truly hate or some people truly love like the Snyder cut or whatever. This is like so universally reviled Jar Jar Binks. Yeah. 100%. Every person was like, what the fuck is this? Like it, it, it uh, yeah, it, it is. You're right. It, you uni- it's unique amongst all, Star Wars uh, entities unique amongst pieces of IP that aren't just, you know, that aren't just universally hated. Like me, one thing, if everybody thought Star Wars was a piece of crap and this was the worst part of it, it just like everybody loves Star Wars. What the hell is Jar Jar? But I, I love, I love this for Ahmed best. Cause you know, he's not immune to the criticisms of that character. And I sure. know, you know, I, I think he's come out later uh, saying that it took a real toll on his mental health and the ways in which, uh, you know, he's sort of been reached back out to because I don't know if you knew this, but his character, this Jedi, predates this episode of Mandalorian and, in fact, uh, was the kind of host personality of this um, a game show uh, that's a, a Legends of the Hidden Temple style game show for kids called like Temple Trials or whatever. And he was the Jedi that was putting all the kids through the, the trials and in this game show that. I think they they finished so, it right before the pandemic started. Like it was supposed to, like this was supposed to come out, or it did come it's out. It's on. I think it's on YouTube right now. It it came out. Uh, the, the people on the new Rockstar show were talking about this, and I think I would I would and love Ahmed, it. And Ahmed Best was the host as this character. Yes. So now this character from the game show has been introduced into canon. He's a kid's game show host, and what does he do in this episode? But take care of a kid, which I think is beautifully kind of symmetrical but it it's uh i i love the experience for some young star wars fan out there i'm imagining this watching mandalorian being wrapped up in it and they say get the kid to kellerin get him to kellerin i think they either say kellerin or kellerin beck and i i would hope there's some young star wars fan out there that went my 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 Jedi friend from the TV show is that who they're talking about? And then for the doors to open and see, you know, for me, it's it's like, hey, good for Ahmed Best, man. I've seen him out and about. I've been to plays he's directed and stuff. Like people that I know know him. Say he's a super nice guy. You know, regardless of that, didn't deserve the hate that kind of peripherally yes. came his way for you know twenty five years. But I I love this. I love that he j- that big hero shot. You know, I'm gonna take care of you. The speeder chase, the lightsaber. I mean, it, 
boy, oh boy, that's got to feel like a kind of an antidote to like, oh, my head got shocked by the pod racer kind of action. I will say too, like, I will say this, even though I am like the masses, I didn't think Jar Jar was a successful character in any way. It is of no fault to Ahmed Best. He, you know, he, he, I don't want to put anything on his performance. It's a, it's a poorly conceived character and a clear attempt by Lucas to be like, these movies are for kids. So I've got to put a talking weirdo in this movie. Uh, the, the movie, the, these movies that are for kids that center around a, a you know complicated trait dispute. Uh, we've got to put a little clown clown baby in there, like make yeah. him silly. He eats a fruit and gets sick. Yeah, one hundred and fifty thousand percent to that. <laughs> so yeah, for me, it was to watch him not only just be like, oh great, like well how cool he gets this really cool role. Not only is he like a Jedi, but he like survives Order sixty six in theory. I don't, we don't know. I mean, obviously he does. At, if he's at least the him. initial wave. Yeah, and he, we, I mean, he obviously probably doesn't because we don't see him. We don't know where Grogu when they get Grogu, maybe that's going to link up with what we saw last week with Pershing. Maybe we'll see how Pershing gets Grogu. Anyway, we are, we are talking wanna... about 20 years, right? I mean, how long is it from order 66 now to, to so five a, years post return of the Jedi? It's that's like more like 25 years. or more. Yeah. Cause we're yeah. also, cause Mandal- Mandalorian is at least a solid year or two after Jedi even because it's um, five years after Jedi. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we're talking. This is a solid thirty years, but Grogu's in his fifties, so, and uh, he supposedly is going to have to talk if he's going to have to say the creed. So if he's going to be good in that Mandalorian suit, because we're seeing him, he makes more and more baby noises every week. And good God, are they freaking wonderful every single man, time? Oh man, I I love that little that little baby child. I love him. I'm like, yeah, yeah, melt my head. I am, I am so dead but yeah he's gonna have to talk at some point if that's gonna happen you know i mean you can't just say the creed by going this is is, is is he gonna the way this is is he gonna do yoda talk oh, is, oh or is that was God. that just specific frank to yoda? Oz, frank oz shows up and all of a sudden oh, like, i love it grogu's like oh. <laughs> adam sandler took over for a second there oh no did you do <laughs> it's kind of, oh, no. See, we I, need we Adam need 95 year old frank oz to come back in yes 95 year old frank oz to come in and the way this is <laughs> frank oz a man who's made a career out of just kind of doing his own voice yeah. every character he does but Biggie like, is the biggest departure every character is just i i am frank oz this is what i sound like yeah frank oz I sound already like Fozzie Bear. Well, yeah. to be to be fair, uh, like Fra- Frank Oz did sound like he was like like he was testing the voice for Yoda out while like maybe like choking on some food. Like oh 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 like oh just do that, Frank. Oh okay. <laughs> he uh, he he drank a lot of milk, and they got him at craft service. Hey, can ah, you come ah. over and do the? He's, <laughs> Viscous, mm. <laughs> viscous is milk is. <laughs> it's like, and okay, d- don't do that. The backward talk, don't do that in the in the audition. But everything else sounds great. Too late, I'm doing it. Uh, my my uh, Yoda is very is very close to Scooby Doo as well. <laughs> <laughs> this it. is the show. 
hour and 10 minutes in, we're just doing <laughs> Scooby-Doo's. This is the way. Um, let's see. How much time do I have left? I got about like 13 minutes before I got to go. Let me see what else. Um, I do think, yeah, we talked about a lot how this episode is about character deepening. And this was basically Grogu and Bo-Katan's episode because they're, and it's also called the foundling. So Grogu is a foundling, literally. Bo-Katan has become a foundling because she has no clan, basically, from Clan Cree. And so she is a foundling. This is about her, both these two characters, you know, learning the way and the different aspects of the way and what that white mean, what that, what that white mean, what that white, <laughs> what, mean? That, what that white, what that white mean, what that white mean. Hey, what that white mean. Um, But why specifically do you think they, Grogu felt compelled to flash back to order 66 just from watching? Is it because this is another, he's thinking to himself, this is another order like the Jedi or why is it just the sparks from the thing? I, that was my one thing is like, why are we going back to order 66 right now? It's just oh, because. I, I mean, I think it was convenient to the plot. Yeah. But what's that convenience? <laughs> I mean, obviously. <laughs> I, 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 no, I think it's, I think it's the sparks and I think it's, um, I don't know how much Grogu's, his, his kind of recurrent flashbacks to that are a feature and I don't know how long it's been since he went back since he's had like the opportunity that we've seen to go back back and have that memory didn't he go back during last season we saw him for a second but it was just we just saw clone troopers first of all I love seeing like actual clone troopers walking around and not like I don't know why George felt so compelled like when they're wearing helmets, you can have it doesn't have to be Tamura Morrison. Like you know what I mean? Like you don't have to digitally yeah. you don't have to digitally make all of the clones. You can just have like real people talking to you can have Tamura Morrison in one of them and then the rest of them can just be people with helmets on. You don't I just need, thought of this. What? Well, if if they're all computerized, then they're all literally clones. Oh, he probably did that. Like you and McGregor, because you and McGregor even said, like when he was doing, uh, I saw him do kind of like a sit down with Pedro Pascal, and they were both talking about working on Star Wars. At this point, Obi Wan hadn't come out yet; it was like a, like six months before. No, he was shooting. It was probably a year before, and he was like, "Yeah, I just shot yesterday with uh, like a stormtrooper for the first time ever," and he's like, "God, they're really like." imposing and pedro pascal's like yeah yeah because he was like yeah when we were doing clone wars that we were all digital and i was like what the f F, man like that was so not necessary (laughs) like yeah so it's something cool about seeing like live clone troopers i have always loved seeing it i guess to me yeah same here trying, trying to connect to me the connection was like you're seeing like there was the sparks. It was making him think of the sparks of the door for sure. But thinking about how how orders and how joining things to him, like hearing about the way and how things work in the Mandalorians and thinking about the other kind of order that he's had now two opportunities to be in and one was forced out and then one left of his own volition but he's now he's seen he's been in the jedi order twice essentially and left so i do think we are maybe leaning to some sort of like grogu is the impetus to kind of you know get pedro pascal to actually come to set 
<laughs> yeah, they, they're dangling that little baby out in front of him. And I mean, it, it, it could just literally be motivation for later when he, you know, I think at a certain point, Grogu is going to start demonstrating some agency that'll coincide with him talking. And he might be of an attitude that, oh, no, no, I got to get out of here because every every time I'm a part of something, it blows up like this. I was part of the Jedi yeah. Order. We got Order 66. You know, we were we were in this covert. We had to leave. Like, I, I, I should just be shuffled around on my own. Be, be I just want to be with my daddy. Wolf. I just, yeah, just give me my, my just give me daddy. Give me daddy with this helmet off and let's effing go. Alex, is this Star Trek or Star Wars? Oh, this is Star Wars up. This is this is you put Star Wars up the butt of Star Wars and and then you put that in your own butt. And that's what this was. This was in a yeah, pleasurable, this, consensual way. This was Star Wars for sure. I will say this does. There's a little bit of Star Trek in me watching this, which is like, hey, we're on this like we're walking around this planet going on a single solitary mission. So there is that kind of like procedural element in this episode, which is the like search for the kid, um, which was kind of Star Trekky. Yeah, because yes. it is a television show, but yeah, this is very much Star Wars. And again, like. I don't know who needs to be nominated for the Emmy, but every single person involved with like Muscle Beach Mandalore style needs <laughs> us, like fucking big ass bouquet of flowers to whoever conceptually came up with that and then executed it. Like yeah, I can't yeah. all the flowers for those people. A bouquet oh of God. Emmys for oh that for that conceptualization of visualization. Like the whole and team. Again, Someone please make an edit of that and put it to Kenny Loggins's playing with the boys. I don't need lead up. I just want the chorus and just let that play and let's all just have fun with that. Um, and if I can make one request, an addendum, cut in at least one of the greasy shirtless high fives between Anthony sure. Edwards and Tom Cruise and I go right back to Muscle Muscle Beach Mandalore. <laughs> playing, playing with the... Alex, so who's your big winner in this episode? Winners and losers, winners. We all know who the loser's going to be, but who's the winner? I think the winner are those those two adorable raptor chicks that they somehow there's three of them that three. they somehow squeezed into the the yeah, hold of that ship. Uh, like, oh my god! Yes, let's talk about that for a minute too. Like, were were y'all just like hanging on the outside of the ship as she was going because the yeah. the inside was full of baby bird? Yeah. But I think that they're sh- they're going to be riding these things. They're going to be taking them from place to place. It's going to look cool as hell. Yeah, and uh, and I think they win. They got they got those those three foundlings. They got all new daddies and they wear Beskar, baby. I want to see. I want to see those flying things and helmets for sure, which would definitely be disoriented for them. But yeah. also, yes, let's let's. I need to see full blueprint schematics of Bo-Katan's ship because you've shown us the outside, and to me, maybe it's just like forced perspective. Maybe you're like that ship is actually quite huge, but we just can't tell because. Every maybe the Mandalorians are actually you become smaller when you're in Mandalore, or I don't know. But we've seen the cockpit of that ship too, and maybe there's some cargo. But good lord, when three all three of those things walked out, I was like, "That's well, that's not that's not possible." That's what if what if what if Mando asks her, "How'd you get those? Like, what's up with your ship?" And she looks at me, she goes, "It's a fucking TARDIS. Relax." And she just walks off frame. I'm here for it. I mean, I'm that I'm here for. It. But yeah, the definitely like when the all three of them walked out, that was like circus clown level stuff. Like like the, everyone's crushed in being like, you know, the uh John Favreau's Vizla is like 
I can't breathe. And Bo-Katan's like, look, it's only a short drive. Like, chill out. Like, just bear with it for a second. Put your put your arm and shoulder out the window. It gives you a little more room. Like hang your arm outside the window. We're not going orbital. Just like yeah. let the breeze in. Chill. All right. Obviously, the loser. There was a lot of water on this in this episode. You you mean to tell so me when you're 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 heading out to the to the the nest of the raptor and you can't you can't do do Sam so Wilson's much shrimping barge out there. So much water at one point. I mean, granted, for Sam's sake, I'm kind of glad maybe he wasn't there because clearly that water is infested with giant alligators because that raptor was eaten by an alligator fairly quickly. Like that thing Too touched sweet. That thing touched water and that alligator was like ready to go. So maybe for Sam's sake, uh, maybe Sam's shrimping boat, you know, maybe this is a day, a day one boat stand king winner because if Sam's boat had been in the water, that would have been gone immediately. Yeah, you know, actually, uh, that, fair point. I think you're right. I think that by being the loser, he's ultimately the winner. But but yeah. still, you know, at this point, you know, we're we're catching his catch can and we're building the we're building the cars. We're driving it like just give us just give us at the this point boat, too. Man. Honestly, too, I'll say this as well. Like, God, how sick would it have been if that during that like muscle beach sequence, if the Sam's boat was just in the background. <laughs> <laughs> I never want. I never. God, I want to watch that scene on a loop. Anyway, oh, we got another read on the uh, the used shoes nonprofit. Yes. Uh, again, this is uh, the used shoe depot. Uh, they want you to do something good this spring. Spring cleaning. Do something good for your closet and Mother Earth. Even unmatched pairs. Bring them down. We're totally not sniffing the shoes. So that's from the used shoe depot. <laughs> You can reach them at use underscore shoes.org. I love that there there wasn't uh it sounded very tame. And then in the second ad read, they decided to slip in that thing if they're not sniffing the shoes. Cause I kind of thought they were. Well, no, they're, but that's the thing. They're saying that they're not. So you don't have to worry about it. Not and and you know, they that that they were that they are sniffing the shoes. You don't have to worry about that. They're specifically saying, hey, we're not. Got it. Got it. All right, Alex, ready for the game? It's game time. Let's baby. do it. Let's Game time. So this week, I don't know if you saw, there was a the, first, the final slash larger trailer for the movie Renfield draft drop. This is a movie coming out um, in a couple of weeks. It stars Nicholas Holt from The Great and The Menu as Renfield, who is Drac- Count Dracula's familiar. The movie looks absolutely wonderful, super funny, super fun kind of present day take on Renfield. Um, but Count Dracula is being played by Nick Cage, which is like, if there's a role that the man should be playing, it's it's Count Dracula, and he looks absolutely wonderful in it. So this made me think, we've played this game before, I have a new version of this game, because now that Nick Cage seems to be back in the good graces of Hollywood and is making movies that come out in the theater, it's a good reminder that Nick Cage, as recently as 2018, was cranking out eight or nine movies a year that were all coming out on video on demand. So this is a game we've played once before. I have all five new questions for you. This is, was Nick Cage in this movie? It's simple. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to describe a movie to you, and you have to tell me if this is an actual movie that Nick Cage has been in within the last five years, okay? Okay. You ready? I'm making notes right now. Let's go. Number one. Joe meets a mother who can contact spirits when suffocating. Her daughter is dying when Joe helps the mother spiritually contact the daughter and save her. Unfortunately, the spirit in the daughter's body is now that of Joe's dead wife. 
Is Nick Cage in this movie? Yeah, he's in that. He's he in is. That for sure. It's called he plays Joe's dead wife. Yeah, it's called Between Worlds. And one critic said about the film, Cage makes four of these a year, and usually two of them are good. So Between Worlds isn't one of the good ones. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. All right, here we go. You ready? Let's do it. A detective in the late 1930s with a secret who has a penchant, a penchant, a penchant for fighting crime, cashing checks and snapping necks, has his whole life flipped upside down when he is sucked through a black hole. Is Nick Cage in this movie? Yes. Yes, he is. This, of course, is the movie Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Oh, yeah. Okay. A movie in which... Uh, Nick Cage plays Peter Parker, but in the 1930s in an alternate universe. And one critic said of Nick Cage that he steals every scene in the movie. And this is what started Nick Cage coming back into the good graces of Hollywood. Are you ready for the next one? Let's do it. (laughs) An owner of a small town hardware store is about to be put out of business by a new big box hardware store. So he takes matters into his own hands by using his surplus hardware to slowly destroy and kill his competitors. Is Nick Cage in this movie? Yes. No, he's not. This is not a real movie. I do feel like it's a movie that he would be in. However, Nick Cage was in the movie titled Looking Glass, which is about a couple who buy a desert motel where they find that strange, mysterious events occur. A film in which one critic said that the ubiquitous Cage is more understated than usual these days, which is a drawback since that consequently spotlights the uninspired film's tedious incoherence. What did he? What did they film this while he was asleep? What? Is, how is he? How is he at all restrained? I have no idea. Are right, you ready for the next one? Let's do this. On a stormy night, a rogue vigilante avenging the death of his uncle is ripped from the world he knows and is thrust into a chaos that he doesn't know. Is Nick Cage in this movie? Yes. Yes. This, of course, is the movie. Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. A movie where Nicolas Cage (laughs) plays Spider-Man Noir. When the directors first met with Nicolas Cage to talk about the role, they said this. Peter and I went to meet with Nick Cage in a hotel and he had this cane with a skull on it and everything covered in gold. And we were like, whoa, okay. (laughs) The other director then said, and then we revealed the look of his character and he pretty much was like, I want to wear that. (laughs) And then he followed up by saying, oh, actually, wait a minute. And he opened the closet and the exact costume was hanging there. He's like, I thought I saw that somewhere before. Yes, and that was... Is Nick Cage in this movie? You, I love it. I know that was a fun one. Um, that was a good game. You're welcome, uh, Alex. We are now. We have one more read from the people who are definitely not sniffing our shoes. Correct? Yeah, this is the used shoe depot. They're all about repurposing your used shoes, and they want to say, "Hey, you said you might have some shoes for us." Dot dot dot. Don't want to bug you, but and then there's asterisks indicating an action, saying "purrs at your feet." We've been waiting. So go ahead and uh, hit the used shoe depot. You can reach their website as used underscore shoes dot org. Uh, you know, help Mother Earth. That's great. Um, Alex, we love I, I've, I have to leave very shortly. We love uh, the the hoopla here. It's where you can um, uh 
go on your phone, your, your, uh, I, I can't think your digital devices, and you can use your library card to digitally check out comics. And we have recommendations. Alex, do you have a recommendation for this week? I do. If you bear with me for 12 seconds, I'll do mine. I'll do mine. Then while you do it, I want to recommend this is by Ed Brubaker. This is a, I've normally a big DC or I'm a big Marvel, sorry, big Marvel. And then some DC I've reached out, reached out and read this. Uh, It's called reckless. It's uh, written by Ed Brubaker, illustrated by Sean Phillips and Jacob Phillips. It's kind of like a Jack Reacher esque thing, but it takes place in the eighties in Los Angeles. It's more of like a pulp, kind of and he's kind of like the punisher with an axe but it's more like a crime noir that you would see in a lot of classic pulp novels but it's a graphic novel and the artwork's really cool so if you like kind of pulpy uh crime things in the 80s in la it's a great little read alex what's yours mine is we we talked about the justice society of america earlier uh one of my favorite superhero teams since I was a kid, I would recommend you get uh, Justice Society of America, The Demise of Justice, Volume 1. It's issues 1 through 8. It's a miniseries from the 90s when Justice Society was not part of regular continuity, had been shuffled off to a lost dimension. They are the original conceptions of of each of the popular characters from the 30s. And continuity-wise, they had to figure out what to do with these older versions who didn't reflect the modern continuity. And this is kind of one of the the, the things, a really cool version of the Flash, Green Lantern, and Hawkman that are portrayed in here. Uh, again, one of my favorite uh, one of my favorite um, groups. So I'd Love check it. that out. Love Justice Society. I've poured into that since you've recommended that to me after you watched that terrible film, Black Adam. Uh, Alex, what did your dogs think? Well, excuse me, of uh, <laughs> episode four of Mandalorian. <laughs> Um, my 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 one dog george you you just saw earlier getting uh get you on his way to get a bath um he he saw he saw the muscle beach intro and he looked at me and said surf's up dude that was i thought that was a ringing endorsement yeah um i'm still in palm springs doing a play uh hand to god opening uh next tuesday out here at the coachella valley prep uh prep i keep saying that coachella valley rep but uh, so I'm not near my dog, so I'm going to assume she didn't like Mandalorian yet because she probably was sleeping in the room with my wife. Um, Alex, where can the folks find you before we go? Duke underscore midnight m i d n i t e. Just Google that and see what comes up. I don't know. Leave me alone. Yep, Kenny G Stevenson on everything except Instagram, which I am Kenny G Donut King. Alex, we did it. We did it. We did another again, great show. Winning, winning the podcasting game one episode at a time. One episode at a time. Uh, thank you so much for listening, folks. This has been Fan Controlled Fandom. We'll be back next week. I guess we'll talk about Mandalorian, maybe Shazam. Who knows? Tune in and find out. Shazam-a-Delorean. Bye-bye. Shazam-a-Delorean. Bye. Bye. <laughs>